0: Our final update before the Bills face the Eagles an injury update with Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills. And my five predictions for Sunday afternoon are all coming your way today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. your team every day this episode is brought to you by better help find your bright spot this season with better help visit betterhelp.com locked on today to get 10 percent off your first month well folks this will be our final conversation before the buffalo bills face the philadelphia eagles on the road in week 12 and we're going to do my final thoughts leading up to the matchup we'll talk to dr kyle trimble of banged up bills and of course five predictions for Sunday in the closing segment. Normally I get this podcast to you a little bit sooner but on Friday my family and I went to the North Carolina mountains cut down a Christmas tree and did all of that type of stuff and so I couldn't record until Saturday and um, you know just the way it is had to spend some time with the family and I don't regret that of course but just wanted to let you know why the podcast is a little bit later than usual. All right let's get into these final thoughts and I want to start by acknowledging Reggie Gilliam was named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week for his performance against the Jets in Week 11. Two special teams tackles, including that force fumble on the opening play of the game. It set the tone for the entire game, in my opinion. And um, as good of a special teams tackle as I've seen in a long time, of course, the ball uh, being displaced as well. Uh, being recovered, the Bills having a chance to score and steal possession early on. It really set the tone for a dominant Bills victory. And then, if I'm not mistaken, the very next kickoff after the Bills uh, had a field goal as a result of that turnover, uh, Reggie Gilliam got him down again with another good special teams tackle. So uh, very deserving honors for Reggie Gilliam. The first time in his career, he's been named special teams uh, player of the week. The last time that happened for the Bills was in week 18. Uh, Last year, when Naheem Hines had a couple of kick return touchdowns against the Patriots. Uh, So back-to-back years, the Bills have at least one special teams player of the week winner. Now, I know the the other side of the coin here is we were kind of hoping and expecting Rasul Douglas to be named the defensive player of the week. And of course, that went to Jalen Ramsey. And not only are you disappointed that a Bills player didn't get it, who certainly deserved it, Uh, But then it goes to a Dolphins player, right? So it's kind of like the worst possible snub, if you will, uh, when you miss out on a player getting an award that then goes to uh, the rival team there. So Jalen Ramsey wins the award. Uh, Both were deserving candidates. I think I would think that Douglas is more deserving, uh, but both had a couple of interceptions. Uh, Rasul Douglas had a fumble recovery. That didn't happen for Jalen Ramsey, so... Uh, Douglas, a part of three turnovers, and Ramsey only two. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was targeted 10 times uh, by the Raiders, gave up one completion for four yards. Douglas was targeted four times, did not give up a catch. I think Douglas had a better overall showing against the run. But I think what maybe tipped the scales for Ramsey, um, at least in the eyes of whoever decides these awards, is he got that interception on the last play. So the Raiders had a chance to tie the game on the last play uh, with a little Hail Mary bid and um, Jalen Ramsey picked it off, undercut the route and picked it off when the Raiders had a chance to tie the game. So maybe they looked at it as a closer game that the Dolphins played against the Raiders and the Bills played against the Jets. And he made that last play uh, that kind of looms large in everyone's minds, but Rasul Douglas, every bit as as impactful, if not more, Uh, but uh, the award goes to Jalen Ramsey, although I will, I will say, of course, that I think Rasul Douglas deserved to win the award. The last thing I want to mention here in the final thoughts is just kind of looking at uh, this last stretch for the Bills. I know we've examined it quite a bit at Eagles, the bye week at Kansas City, Dallas, at the Chargers, Patriots, at Miami Dolphins. And the Bills have put themselves in a hole. They're six and five, right? I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough course forward, and it's tougher because you made it tougher, right? We, talked a lot about this schedule and how the bills needed to build themselves a buffer to start the year so that, you know, during this daunting stretch of the year, you know, they can have some wiggle room. Well, they didn't do that at all. They did the opposite of that. They lost to the Patriots and the Jets and the Broncos in disastrous fashion. They botched the Jacksonville trip and of course the Bengals game, right, where I think where they had some self-inflicted wounds there as well. So, unfortunately, you're 6 and 5 without wiggle room. The Dolphins are at 8 and 3. They look like they're primed to win the division, and so your path is probably through the wild card and you know Miami's next three games are another one against the Jets the Titans and the Commanders before they finish with Baltimore uh Baltimore Dallas and Buffalo so I think you're gonna you're gonna need to to go better than four and two if you think you're gonna win the AFC East you're gonna have to do better than four and two um that's what I'll say about that so I think the most likely path is the wild card and the the challenge with the wild card is well first of all you're not in right now you're the eighth seed And ahead of you is the Steelers at seven, the Texans at six, and the Browns at five. And you can certainly look at those teams and say, well, the Browns have Torian Thompson Robinson as their quarterback, and the Texans are a young team that still has to pay their dues in the NFL. And the Steelers just fired their offensive coordinator. They don't look that good. Um, So like you can say, oh, well, yeah, the Bills can jump one of those teams. Well, sure, they can. The problem is going to be tiebreakers. So the Browns at 7 and 3 keeping in mind the Bills are 6 and 5. The Browns at 7 and 3, they have a 5 and 2 record in the AFC. They may have built themselves a big enough buffer with their defense to be able to get this done. And again, they have a pretty tough it's a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way, excuse me. While, while the Bills have a tough schedule. And you have the Texans at number 6, they're 6 and 4, 3 and 2 in the AFC, and certainly a jumpable team, but they have a huge game on Sunday against Jacksonville. And if they beat Jacksonville, they'll have two wins over Jacksonville this year. And they're probably going to be in the driver's seat for that division. And so the Jaguars at currently at seven and three, five and two in the AFC with a head-to-head uh win over the Bills. If they become part of the wild card spot, then that becomes even more difficult because they have the head-to-head. They're probably going to have a better record, and they're going to have a better conference record. And so we should be rooting for the Jaguars to run away with the South, right? And for Houston to kind of uh, bottom out here if they can if they can go on a little bit of a slump with a young football team and a young quarterback. I think that would be the best case scenario there. Then it's Pittsburgh 6 and 4. They're the 7 seed, 4 and 3 in the AFC. So, you know, look that's your path. That's how you have to jump being mindful of who's right behind you. That's the Denver Broncos at 5 and 5 who of course have a head-to-head win over the Bills. And so, yeah, the Bills have unfortunately put themselves in a tough spot here the rest of the way to make the playoffs. And the reason I'm bringing this up right now is because I think the Bills need to go 4 and 2 at least to give themselves a chance. If they go 5 and 1, I think they probably make the playoffs. 4 and 2 is probably the most optimistic uh path forward that has a little bit of hope tied to it. You know, they the Bills can do a lot worse than 4 and 2, obviously, right? We've seen what this team is capable of this year, and that is some clunkers and some disappointing opponent uh, matchups and disappointing moments. But the point I'm trying to make here at 4 and 2, if you could pick which two games you would lose, they'd be the two NFC games at Eagles and of course, the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not saying that you'd pick to lose any of them. You'd pick to go 6-0 if you can. But if the Bills drop this game to Philadelphia, the path to 4-2 and is still there. And and in fact, the preferable path to 4-2 and is still there. And I thought that was important for us to distinguish here. As we get into this final stretch and we talk about what the most important games are left on the schedule, the challenges that the Bills are facing, and if you're going to go 4-2, and It's not the end of the world if you lose this one. Now, you're going to have to win your AFC games. You're going to have to go to Kansas City and win. You're going to have to go to the Chargers and win. You're going to have to go to the Dolphins and win. But it's not the end of the world if the Bills don't win this game, although I certainly hope that they do. And we'll talk about my predictions here later on in this podcast. Coming up next, an injury update with Dr. Kyle Trimble and you know certainly curious to hear his thoughts on Taylor Rapp and uh, you know the Taryn Johnson able to clear concussion protocol, but you know Dane Jackson not able to do the same. So some good stuff here to dig dig into here in just a moment. But first, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in in the action. That's one hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins on a money line bet. The app. Super easy to use. There's a ton of different things that you can bet on, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. In fact, a couple of my predictions this week are going to come directly from FanDuel player props. So stick around for that. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I'm joined now by Kyle Trimble. He's a doctor of physical therapy. He runs bangedupbills.com. You can follow him on Twitter. At banged up bills, he joins us each week to talk about the injuries ahead of the bills game. And Kyle, we are in pretty good shape here entering this game, obviously the last game before a bye week So we're going to talk about some of those dynamics, but let's get to the players uh, that have game day designations here. And I want to start with Taylor Rapp, Um, neck injury, kind of a scary scene, right? Anytime you see an ambulance on a football field, that's not great. Um, Didn't go to the hospital, right? Well, that's a good sign was resting at home didn't participate on Wednesday and Friday, did have a limited practice on Thursday, ruled out for the game. Sounds like Sean McDermott just wanted to give him some more time here. Maybe the optics a little bit worse than the reality. What can you tell us about Taylor Rapp? So,
1: Rapp, he was definitely a surprise injury at the time it happened because we saw the collision between Brees Hall, uh, Dane Jackson, no, it wasn't Dane Jackson's, was Teron Johnson, and then Taylor Rapp there. So, when that original hit happened, you saw it- everybody's converging toward tron johnson as he was down managing what we now know as concussion and then you see off to the side that taylor rapp was standing around for a second and then grabbed at like his shoulder neck area and then went down that that's where they had to allocate some other training staff to it so what happened was he must have gotten a really bad stinger or some type of neck sprain whiplash injury that they said hey something's not right here and they use the Canadian C-spine rules, which I've talked about on here. And if there's any high risk risk factor, which may it's radiography and he's not over 65. So there's either dangerous mechanism or paresthesia in extremities that indicates them needing to get imaging, go to the hospital and whatnot there. So uh, out of abundance caution, which the NFL does a great job at doing that due to all the injuries, they unfortunately do suffer. They got him on a um, backboard immobilized, make sure it wasn't any shifting of the neck and they went to go take him for imaging, and either the numbness must have wore off, or something must have changed, where they said, Hey, we don't need you to take the hospital. We put you in the locker room once you to recover. Um, it was real ob- It was real optimism that they had said that he could potentially potentially play on Sunday. Of course, we saw he was do not protect do not participate in a Wednesday practice, limited on Thursday. He must have had some of like setback or some Reoccurrence recurrence of pain, which led to him being do not participate on Friday, rolled out. But considering everything that went on with that, ambulance aside, it's smart that we don't want to see a singer if that's what it was, to linger like we are seeing with Micah Hyde. So give him the day off. They have De'amara Hamlin, who's been sitting on the bench all year. Get him in there. Let him rest. And then use his bye week to get right. All
0: right. We have an interesting dynamics with a couple other DBs here. Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, both concussed. And on very different paths, I mean, Taron Johnson was cleared of concussion protocol and practiced in full on Friday, which I was very surprised by. And then Dane Jackson, of course, the entire week didn't practice and ruled out. So what can you tell us about the different paths here? I know the same diagnosis. I'm sure the severity of the the diagnosis is, is important here. But like, how does one guy clear so quickly and the other one's, you know, not available?
1: Every concussion is unique. That's the best way I can describe it there. Um, we've seen how that has played out in past seasons, even this year. It just, you really don't get a good read on it unless you're in the room, you know, seeing how these guys respond. And concussions can be finicky. You can have, you know, what would be deemed concussion and just have no setbacks and progress through the protocol. And other guys who they start increasing level of activity and they start getting headaches or dizziness or, you know, some other signs or symptoms of concussion, they have to be set back a little bit. So, that's really what it comes down to. Each concussion is unique. So we saw Dane get hit by Jeremy Rucker. and He was kind of def- – well, he would, definitely was woozy. I mean, you could see that on, on TV there. And he was escorted right back to the locker room, was able to practice all week. And then you got Teron Johnson, who actually had fencing response um, briefly after getting hit by Brees Hall and Taylor Rapp. And they were going to you know, backboard him off, and he was fine to walk off then. What's real interesting is Teron Johnson's now had four concussions in his career. He's been able to clear concussion protocol in under a week every time. And I Mm. went back and had to double-check that, which was really impressive. I mean, scary in a sense that these are head injuries. These could have long-lasting impact on their health, but he's clearing concussion protocol every time within a week. And this isn't normal for guys to do that there. So the last time a guy did the progression that uh, Teron Johnson did was do not participate, limited practice, full practice, and played was Ryan Bates last year in week four. And then going back to that last other guy to do that was also Teron himself there who had limited practice, limited practice, full practice. So Teron, maybe he's just a fast healer. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was probably the biggest loss if he was not going to play this week. So each concussion is unique, but we're really glad that Teron Johnson could play this Sunday.
0: And and just to clarify for anybody thinking there's funny business going on in order to clear concussion protocol, that's an independent neurologist that signs off on it. So it's not like the bills are, doing anything weird there. I mean, that's the, the the NFL, to their credit, is very serious about coming back from concussions. Maybe they weren't in the past. Like, I totally understand all that. Uh, but there's no funny buzzes going on here. All right, let's finish with this uh, bye week. So, first of all, that's it for, for the report. Uh, two players with the, with the status. They're both ruled out Dane Jackson and Taylor Rapp. But the Bills do have a bye week coming up after this game. And so I wanted to just kind of ask you, what players are going to benefit the most from this? A little bit of extra time off going towards – the stretch run here, needing to be healthy the rest of the way. Uh, of course, first of all, no new injuries, can't have that. But uh, assuming that does work out, who are the players that are going to really benefit from this time off?
1: There's a handful of them. I mean, every player is going to benefit, don't get me wrong. That's why the, the beauty of the bye week there. But I made a quick list of this before we went on. Um, some of the obvious names, like Josh Allen, still working back from his right AC joint sprain, suffered week six since Giants. He's still on the injury report, which means he's still getting treatment. Uh, Von Miller, he hasn't really had any setbacks per se with the knee, but just have an extra week just to kind of get his body right, whether it's just getting healthy or whatever it is. I mean, just another week away from the original injury, which only benefit him. And then you get some more of the obvious ones. You got Christian Benford still coming back from that hamstring injury, suffered practice. You get Taylor Rapp, who is going to benefit mm-hmm. from the bye week there. And then you got other guys like um, Greg Rousseau, who's been working through a right foot injury. He's had actually multiple foot injuries this year, um, and he just hasn't looked the same. Not a lot of explosion. And while one week won't get everything right, just that time off just to let things kind of calm down, the inflammation will allow him to kind of get hopefully a second win to to hit the playoff uh, run if we do get on that path. Uh, Micah Hyde will be another one. And then, you know, his running mate Jordan Poyer. Those guys are getting old. Hyde's coming off the stinger and the neck injury. And then uh, finally Dawson Knox, who you know the team is hopeful but not certain that he will return for uh, Week 14. But that was the original path I had expected that he would go through based off of what we thought. Uh, I did see on social media that he had some type of um, bone simulator, bone healer on the area when he was playing poker with a bunch of the other guys the other night. So they're doing everything they can to get him ready. But that extra week, I'm sure, was built in. That's why he wasn't activating Week 12 to get him six weeks away from the surgery, which was about the time frame you know, I'd found for these type of surgeries thinking what he had had done. You know, I have no guarantee that what he did have done, but if he does return, you know, that's only going to be beneficial for him. They've used that by to their advantage for the, a lot of these injuries in the past. So that's just a handful of guys. I'm sure there's other guys, you know, Dory Williams has work with the right knee injury. So they just need to get right. And they found that guys or teams who have had the late bye week in the season do make the Super Bowl later on than guys or the teams that have had teams team by weeks early in the season.
0: All right, get healthy, go on a run. That's the plan for the Buffalo Bills down the stretch. Dr. Kyle Trimble, really appreciate you giving us some of your time here, sharing your expertise, and we'll do it again here in a couple of weeks. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This time of year can be challenging for some people, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change, something to look forward to to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools necessary to manage everything that's going on. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire. That'll get you matched with a licensed therapist. And then if you need to switch therapists at uh, at any time, you can do so for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. help. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp h e l p slash locked on. All right, folks, it's prediction time here on the podcast. But before we get there, I would love to extend an invitation to you to join the locked on bill subtext community. There's a link in today's show notes to join. We are having a ton of fun. So first of all, what do you get? Well, you get my live in-game text. So as I'm watching the Bills game on Sunday, I send out texts pretty much after every single drive, letting you know what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, what I'm hoping to see. You also get my first reaction to all major Bills news and of course, one-on-one text conversations. So throughout the week, people text me, ask me questions. We talk Bills football. It's super, super fun. We've also added a Discord community for anyone who is in the subtext. So it's more of a community component we have different channels where we talk bills, sabers, life, fitness, nutrition, all kinds of stuff, and of, of course, it has a film clips channel where I post my all twenty-two review clips in there. I talk through a lot of different plays, share my, share my thoughts and insights on what's going on, and, and that will happen all day on Monday. I'll be filling up that film clips channel talking about this Bills game against the Eagles. So that's a nice little extra layer that you get. Check it out. Visit the uh, the show notes today if you're on YouTube or ever. You're listening to this podcast, join the lockdown bills subtext community. Have some fun with us. Join the community. We're having fun. And I hope to see you there. All right, prediction time here. Got five of them for you. Like I teased, I've got I got a couple here. I got three here that are actually FanDuel uh prop bets that I really like for this game. Let's get into it. The first one is I want to pick the over on Josh Allen's passing yards in this game. Uh, FanDuel has that right now at 256 and a half. I am smashing the over on this. I think that uh the Bills are going to be productive on offense against the Eagles, um, and I, I think they're going to have a lot of yards. I think that's that Philly defense is talented. It's really good, um, but I think the, throwing the ball, middle of the field, some of the stuff that we saw the Bills do last week against the Jets translates well um, to this game, and I'm sure Joe Brady can even expand on some of that, but middle of the field, um, going after James Bradbury, going after these Um, these linebackers who I don't think are very good in coverage. Reed Blankenship can be had in coverage. I think there's going to be some opportunities for the Bills uh, throwing the ball. So I'm I'm definitely taking the over on Josh Allen's passing yards, uh, topping 256 and a half. I'm also taking the, uh, the over. So number two, I'm taking the over on Josh Allen's rushing yards. They have that at 29 and a half. And I think the Bills should lean into Josh Allen as a runner in this game uh, with some design runs, I think he should be given a lot of liberty to take off with the football. You got some speedy pass rushers and Josh Sweat and um, and Hassan Reddick, Nolan Smith as well as one of their depth players there. And I think one of the things that you can do to slow them down is to run the football with your quarterback. And so whether that's on some scrambles, on some uh, design runs, I'm interested in it for sure. And I think Joe Brady should be as well. And so I'm I'm thinking that it will happen. And I'm I'm taking that over on Josh Allen passing yards here. That's set at 29, or excuse me, rushing yards that are set at 29 and a half. Number three, another Bills over I'm taking, and that's Dalton Kincaid. Over 54 and a half receiving yards. Um, I think there are just great matchups for Kincaid in this game. If he's on any of those linebackers or Reed Blankenship, I think he's going to have some real chances to produce. And again, that middle of the field dynamic really ripe this week, especially with Kincaid. Uh, very talented pass catcher, you know, turn and run, all that type of stuff. I think he should be a big part of this game plan. Um, and I think he tops 54 and a half receiving yards in this game, might even score a touchdown. I think the Eagles have been pretty mediocre when it comes to defending tight ends this year, and the Bills should be prepared to take full advantage of that. My number four prediction is that I think the Bills will have 100 rushing yards or more in this game. I think they get at least 100 rushing yards. Uh, that's only happened twice this year against Philly. They've only allowed 100 rushing yards twice this year. A big reason why is because teams don't typically run the ball against them. They're, they've are they faced the fewest rushing attempts of any team in the NFL this year. But they got tagged for like 160-something against the Chiefs last week. And I think the Bills, between what I'm thinking they can get out of Josh Allen running the football and you know, maybe some, some opportunities to get James Cook loose on a couple of explosive runs, uh, maybe incorporating even more Ty Johnson this week. I think there's going to be a little bit of rushing production in this football game, and I think part of where the Bills can have success is mixing in the run effectively. I think you should be very pass-aggressive. I think you should space out the field and try to win some matchups and take advantage that, uh, of that in this game, but that also ties into your run game as well. And so I I think the Bills will run the ball fairly well against Philadelphia, despite them being, I guess, number one in fewest rush yards per game allowed. And I think that's really just due to the lack of volume more than anything, because they're 12th in yards per carry conceded. Put me down for 100 rushing yards for the Bills. I think it's going to be important, especially for that interior of the offensive line to get going. I think the Bills, you know, looking against Denver and looking against the Jets their last two games and seeing when the, the offense was really clicking, the offensive line was getting off the ball and really creating a lot of movement up front. And I think against a very talented defensive line, getting your offensive line going forward and and you know driving off the ball and and running and getting downhill a little bit, I think is going to help them a lot. And I think I think the Bills are aware of that. And I'm not again I'm not thinking a, a huge rush against rush aggressive plan here, but I think you can mix it in very effectively and and it be important for your overall success in the game. Uh, And then lastly, the result of the game, I always tell you if I think the Bills are going to win or if they're going to lose. And here we go. I don't think the Bills are going to win this game. Um, I know that's going to be an unpopular thing. People tend to get very mad at me when I don't predict the Bills to win, which doesn't happen very often. Very, very seldomly do I not pick the Bills to win games. And they've given me plenty of reasons uh, to pick them a lot. They've been a really good team over the years. I just don't like this matchup. Uh, I think when you just kind of strip it down to some basic things. The bills are one and four this year away from high Mark stadium. And I know I, I tweeted that out this week and people are like, well, that was what Joe Brady. That wasn't what Joe Brady is. The offensive coordinator. Okay. Like it's bigger than just the offensive coordinator. I think they've had some issues with their defensive play calling. Um, I think they've had some issues with just finding ways to lose games, being, uh, falling to teams that they shouldn't, right? And now you're facing one of the best teams, potentially the best team in the league at their stadium. And you're one and four away from your home stadium this year. So yeah, I have concerns about that. I think the Eagles are a talented team that has proven to find ways to win. There's things that they can lean on regularly that they can tap into to win football games, whether that's running the football and just really leaning into that and taking over a game. A.J. Brown can take over a game. They have defensive linemen that can take over games. They've got a couple of ball hawks in the secondary and Darius Slay and Kevin Byard. Like, I just think there's a lot to deal with here. And, and so I think they're a talented team that finds ways to lose. I think the Bills are a talented, but less talented team than the Eagles that finds a way to lose football game. I just don't like the recipe here. I, I really don't like the recipe for the Bills. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I'm sure people are going to be mad at me. They're going to question my fandom. They're going to say you're not a real Bills fan and all that stuff like you did last time. That's fine. I, I'd rather be. Honest and analytical with you about the team that I love, than um, just trying to feed into any type of uh, positivity that you're looking for. I want to be honest with you on this podcast more than anything in the world. Authentic, honest, and arrive to conclusions uh, based on good process. And boy, oh boy, do I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Bills win by a hundred points against the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think I've seen a team, a Bills team, that while we are excited about the spark that Joe Brady has offered and what the offense looked like against a good team in the Jets, or a good defense in the Jets. You know, the Eagles are a much more complete team, and it's at their place. I, I don't like the dynamics of this game. Again, I hope I'm wrong. Yell at me all you want. Uh, it's fine. My wife will still love me. You know, It's going to be okay. My daughter will still love me, but uh, you know, that's fine if you're mad. Um, I just want to be honest about the way I feel about the team. Unfortunately, I don't see a Bills win happening on Sunday. Again, I hope that I am wrong. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today and uh, for the Eagles prep. Um, then of course we're going to have the Eagles game, and after the game I'm going live on Bleacher Report per usual, and then uh, of course our post game podcast, and then a really exciting week of bye week content. We're going to do some self scouting, uh, maybe have some guests. I really enjoy the bye week; it's a um, nice opportunity to reflect on some things and really talk about the path moving forward. So plenty of discussion uh, coming up for you on Locked On Bills. Don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. we Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again after the game.